After well over a thousand cases of heart inflammation among otherwise healthy young men after receiving the COVID vaccines, the FDA is finally adding a warning about the risks that this experimental drug poses to young people's hearts, according to reports. But the public health agencies are also still telling all the healthy young people to take the vaccine for the virus that poses statistically no threat to them. That is very bad government. And Republicans are taking matters into their own hands on the vaccine mandates, on big tech, on critical race theory, on much, much more to wield the government for good. I know we're not ever supposed to say that, but that's what's going on. The squishes will wail. Sensible people are celebrating. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. My favorite comment yesterday from The Enforcer, who says, dying from COVID-19 does not scare me nearly as much as voting Democrat after I'm dead. Yes, that, that is a great fear. That, you know, I, I don't encourage living your life in fear, specifically uh, of a virus, but uh, the political consequences when you're, you've been in the ground for several years, uh, they could be very dire. You know, if you want to take matters into your own hands on all these sorts of things, especially when it comes to fixing up your car or truck, I would strongly recommend Rock Auto. So I recently had this issue with a car part that needed to be replaced, and I thought, I thought, you know, okay, so what could I do? I could go into the brick and mortar car parts store and I'm going to get peppered with all those questions that I'm not going to know the answer to. And then the guy is going to go into the back, probably into an empty room. And then he's going to futz around on the computer, probably on rockauto.com, order the part. I'm going to have to wait and he's going to charge me twice as much. Should I do that? Or should I go to rockauto.com where the catalog is so simple to navigate that even I can do it? rockauto.com that always has the lowest prices. It's, it, there's no gimmicks. There's no, you got to order on Tuesday morning or you know, no, none of that. Just go to rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over there right now. You can shop from all of the manufacturers, all the parts that you need, rockauto.com. See those parts right now and write Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S in their how you hear about us box so that they know that we, that I sent you. According to reports, the FDA is expected to, quote, move rapidly to add warning labels to the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines following the emergence of heart inflammation cases. So this is myocarditis. This is pericarditis uh, after receiving these mRNA vaccines. Uh, this, this according to Dr. Doran Fink. Uh, this follows the uh, CDC's report uh, which is something that we've been covering on this show for weeks now, maybe maybe more than weeks now, actually, uh, that there are these cases popping up of otherwise healthy young men having an inflammation of the heart. Some of you may have heard anecdotal incidents of this. I have heard anecdotal incidents from friends of mine. And of course, you would say the plural of anecdote is not data. Well, the CDC is reporting 1,200 cases of heart inflammation occurring primarily in young men after receiving specifically the mRNA vaccine. So not the, the J&J, but the, the newer vaccine technology. Uh, the advisory panel of the CDC said there is, quote, a likely association between this heart inflammation and the mRNA vaccines, which, uh, which attempts to teach cells to make a protein that triggers an Im- immune response. Okay. 
Am I going to be kicked off of YouTube for saying that? I don't know because there are many instances now of people being censored on big tech platforms for simply reporting the science. It's not like I'm even reporting some controversial study from some little known organization or, or journal. I'm talking about what the CDC is reporting and what the FDA is now signaling it is going to do. But, but anytime, you, it's not anytime you, you, question the science. I'm not questioning the science. I'm actually reading the science. It seems like anytime you question the official leftist political narrative on the lockdowns and on, on the virus, then you, you are liable to be censored. Alex Berenson, who is this journalist who's been doggedly covering the, the virus, uh, he, he just tweeted out his analysis of some new studies. So, he writes, CDC posted its myocarditis, pericarditis update. They're now admitting that post-second dose risks in people under 25 could be over 200 times the background rate. And that's not, not accounting for under-reporting. So 200 times what you would expect uh, for this condition in, in young people, for people who've had this vaccine. Uh, the, the real news is even worse, he says. Here's stratification by year of patient. As you can see, the post-second dose cases double from age 25 to 21, then they double again in the 16 to 18 range. So the younger you are, according to his analysis of the CDC data, the younger you are, the higher your risk from this heart inflammation after the vaccines. And this this raises a question. If young people are statistically 0% likely to die from coronavirus, why would they take this jab that is causing this condition that in some cases is re- requiring hospitalization? Why would they do it? I, I understand if you were 85 and you say, well, my risk of coronavirus appears to be significantly higher, so I'll roll the dice. And by the way, my, my risk from the vaccine of myocarditis appears to be very low. So you make that calculation. But why are we telling 18-year-olds to get this jab when they don't need it? to protect themselves. Well, because we're told that in order to protect the public health, even the young people need to get the vaccine. Well, if the vaccine is so effective, then why can't, why can't someone just get the vaccine to protect oneself? Well, Michael, that's not how public health works. Okay. The expansion of the public health state is the troubling thing to me. Everything's being called public health now. Racism is a public health emergency in Chicago. Guns are a public health emergency. Everything's a public health emergency. So the GOP is going in thankfully, and attempting to correct some of this stuff. The Republicans in the House are working on a bill that would not only stop the federal government from requiring the vaccines, from from mandating, say, a vaccine passport, but it actually would go in to ban businesses from requiring the vaccine. This is going to trouble some libertarians. This is going to trouble some conservatives who came of age in, say, 2011. You know, those, the halcyon years of like eight or nine years ago in Republican politics, where we were told anytime the government interferes with business, that's tyranny, that's an incursion on our liberty, that's illegitimate. Well, in this case, it would seem to me, government interfering with business is actually protecting my liberty, namely the liberty not to get the vaccine. So this bill is called the Vaccine Passport Prevention Act. It would, quote, bar the federal government from issuing any form of vaccine passport. It would ban states from doing the same as a condition of receiving federal funds. And crucially, it would bar businesses 
connected to interstate commerce from requiring any patron or customer to provide any documentation certifying COVID-19 vaccination or post-transmission recovery as a condition of service. So they've, they've got to include this language saying that it's, it's barring businesses connected to interstate commerce because the House of Representatives, the, the Congress broadly, does not have the right to go in and interfere with the intrastate business. So they, they need to tie this to the interstate commerce clause so the federal government has some say here. Uh, this is important stuff, though. I'm glad that the Republicans in the House are doing everything they can to interfere with these businesses and protect our liberties. Rep. Warren Davidson, a Republican here working on this, said, they're not really providing, these businesses are not really providing a rational basis for discriminatory activity. They're busy separating healthy people from other healthy people on the presumption that people without a vaccine are not healthy. And, and this is the point. And he, he goes further to say it's a violation of civil liberties. The, the point here is not an eternal maxim that the government never has any right to, uh, or businesses never have any right to suggest that people get the vaccine, uh, that people take care of their health or anything like that. We're being very specific here. What Warren Davidson is saying is that for this vaccine, the businesses do not have a right to do this. Because in this case, the, the science and the data do not suggest that this, this ought to be a political mandate. I know we're not, we're never allowed to have nuance when we're talking about the government versus business or when we're talking about one virus versus another virus or when we're talking about one vaccine versus another. But politics is about nuance. It's about that complexity. Ideologues don't like complexity, right? They, they want things to be very clear. Shallows are clear. Shallow thinking is clear. <laughs> Deep things are a little, little muddier, a little, a little more opaque. Another great move by the Republicans in the House to, to go after businesses is what we're seeing right now in the efforts to combat big tech. I'm not sure that I'm, I will be permitted to, to air what I just said about COVID and about the vaccine on this show. I'm not sure that YouTube will let me do it. I, I should hope that they would. I should hope that, this, that they would let me read information from the CDC and the FDA, but I don't know anymore. I know plenty of people have been censored for less. That's a problem. You know, speech is politics and politics is speech. Resist it, Michael. Do not do the plug. Do not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off for now. In, in a republic, speech is politics and politics is speech. If you control the speech, you are going to control the politics. That is what is happening right now at the level of Google, Facebook, and Twitter, they have, they have more power in this regard than the duly elected sitting president, as they proved when they crossed the, crossed the Rubicon and deplatformed Donald Trump six and a half months ago. So Republicans are fighting back. They've got five distinct bills that are now overcoming some serious hurdles to break up big tech. And that sort of thing really helps me sleep easy at night. You know what else helps me sleep easy? My pillow products. That's what. I've got to confess something. I got a little angry at my sweet newborn baby the other day because we're holding the baby and, you know, he's such a cute little guy and we're, we've got him in bed and then he spits up on my Giza Dream bed sheets, on my beautiful MyPillow Giza Dream bed sheets. Now, no, the nice thing is you can wash them and wash them and wash them and, and it's, they're totally great and they, they somehow seem to get even better with time. So the bed sheets survived, but I don't want anybody to threaten my Giza Dream bed sheets, okay, or any of my other products from MyPillow. Just a tremendous company. 
that their products are ultra soft, breathable. They're extremely, extremely durable. They come with a 60-day money-back guarantee, a 10-year warranty. But you're not going to need the 10-year warranty because you're going to love the sheets. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. They come in a variety of sizes and colors. We all love my my pillow because they're a great conservative company, but they're just the best in the business. Head on over right now to mypillow.com. Click on the radio listener square. Use promo code DailyWire. There you will find not only this amazing offer, but lots of other deep discounts on MyPillow products, including the mattress topper, the towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-951-7163. Use promo code DAILYWIRE or go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code DAILYWIRE. Five distinct bills right now from the Republicans in the House to break up big tech. These are coming out of committee now, so they're, they're actually going somewhere. It's not just like a press release that's, that's not going to go anywhere. Five bills. Just to make you aware of them, we don't need to go in depth on these bills, but just to give you a sense of, of where Republicans are coming from how, and how different we are. You know, I mean, even 10 years ago, if you complained about Google or Facebook or Twitter, you would have heard, well, just build your own Facebook. Build your own Twitter. And then you think, okay, well, we did build our own Twitter. It was called Parler. And then they booted us from the app store and then they, Amazon removed the web servers. Now it's finally starting to come back. Okay, great. Build your own Twitter. They wouldn't let us do it. So the first bill to break up big tech, the American Choice and Innovation Online Act. This would look to prevent, quote, discriminatory conduct by big tech corporations, which would uh, stop them from giving preferential treatment to their own products and services. You know, these, these big tech companies are just gobbling up all different sorts of smaller companies. Uh, you think about Facebook acquiring Instagram, say, and, and other, other big tech companies. Google buying up everything, right? And so this would say, okay, you, you can't give preferential treatment to your own products and, uh, and services. So this, this is especially important things like search and uh, you know Google controls search, so then what pops up in, in search is going to determine what people visit on the internet. Next one, the Platform Competition and Opportunity Act. This would look to prevent big tech companies from, from even having that opportunity in the first place by preventing them from buying companies that resemble or enable competition. So again, just kind of antitrust stuff. Next one, the Ending Platform Monopolies Act. The bill would prevent big tech corporations from leveraging their power and influence across multiple businesses in pursuit of profitable advantages, with certain companies of a significant size prohibited from engaging in another line of business, which could present a conflict of interest. Again, this is just another antitrust thing. Uh, The Augmenting Compatibility and Competition by Enabling Service Switching Act. That one's not quite as uh, easy to roll off the tongue, is it? Uh, But that, that would be, oh gosh, there it is. It's the Access Act. Uh, politicians just can never resist an acronym. It's just, it's like, you know, the Patriot Act, the, this, uh, the Access Act, uh, this bill, anyway, I guess it's a good act, so I don't mean to make fun of it. Uh, this bill would, uh, look to enable the transfer of personal information from one platform to another. So this would, re- this would reduce the cost of switching from one platform to another, uh, kind of like with your cell phone, right? You're, you're able to keep your cell phone data and switch it over to other cell phones. You're allowed to keep your phone number. So this would be like that for your your digital information, your new media information, big tech. Okay. And then finally, the Merger Filing Fee Modernization Act. This would raise filing fees for mergers, which would be used to provide funding for further antitrust actions across the FTC, the the Trade Commission, and the DOJ. Good stuff. I love it. I I hope more of this comes out. But Michael, it's tyranny. The government is, and the businesses. Yeah, right. If Big woke corporations that hate me and my views and my way of life 
are, are threatening all those things, it doesn't make me feel any better that they are a sort of semi-private entity. In some ways, it makes me feel worse because the government, corrupt as it is, has some sort of nominal accountability to the people, and these big tech companies do not. But Michael, they respond to market forces. Not really, not really. They've gained a critical mass. They did so largely through fraud by misrepresenting what their product was and the way we could use the product. And now they dominate the entire public square. And they're they're not really susceptible to a whole lot of market forces, not in the way that the mom and pop on Main Street is. So yes, this is a good use of government to break up the woke corporations who are themselves acting as, in Mitch McConnell's words, a sort of parallel government. Josh Hawley wants to start using the government. Josh Hawley is, is, wants to use our government to hold another government accountable for its infringements on religious liberty and specifically on Christians. So you, you know what's going on up in Canada because we've been playing a number of videos from the religious persecution in Canada and we've been covering the story for months now. But, but for those who haven't been paying close attention, Canada is, is persecuting Christians and churches and shuttering churches and preventing Christians from gathering. And they're using the public health measures as the excuse. But it is a, it is a naked uh, religious persecution. So Hawley comes out in a letter to the uh, uh, chairman of the uh, Religious Freedom International Watch List. And he says, I'm troubled that our Canadian neighbors are effectively being forced to gather in secret, undisclosed locations to exercise their basic freedom to worship. I would expect this sort of religious crackdown in communist China, not in a prominent Western nation like Canada. Canadian authorities' arrest of religious faith leaders and seizure of church property, among other enforcement actions, appears to constitute systemic, ongoing, and egregious violations of religious freedom. Yes, I think he's right. Uh, Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world. There are many very prominent surveys that suggest as much. And it's not only that that is the case in Africa. It's not only that that is the case in the Middle East. It's true. It's true in the West as well. The persecution is a little subtler, although it's becoming less and less subtle up in, up in Canada. In the United States, there, there was the shuttering of churches during COVID, but it wasn't quite as egregious as, as what's going on in Canada. All of this to remind you, the separation of church and state is an illusion. Not only does it appear nowhere in the Constitution, not only was that not the idea of our founding fathers uh, to have a firm separation between church and state, but it's also just politically impossible. There is no such thing. There has never been a government in the history of the world that has no relationship to religion because everybody's got to serve somebody. All laws legislate morality and all nations have to have some basic premise, some understanding of who they are, and that comes from a religious foundation. So what we are seeing here is not the secular state, the neutral, secular, irreligious state versus Christians. What we're seeing is a competition between two different religions, the state-established church of secular progressivism and the various Christian churches here in the United States and specifically in Canada. And I think this particular religious persecution is even more dangerous and insidious than most because the people who are, who are perpetrating it pretend as though they don't have any religious point of view. They're, they're, they're blind to what, what they're doing. Speaking of totalitarianism, totalitarianism, there is real totalitarianism going on, <laughs> creeping up in, in, in these governments, but of course the conservatives are the ones being accused of it which is absurd. In Florida, 
Ron DeSantis is issuing a big government mandate. Ron DeSantis is issuing a mandate that is basically could have come right out of the pages of my new book. I'm not going uh, to say it. I'm not gonna, I've been plugging it too much. I'm not going to say it. But this is exactly the sort of thing that I am calling for in my book. It's, I, I don't think Ron DeSantis has read it yet, but, it, but he got the message and very few conservatives have gotten the message. Ron DeSantis is passing a bill that would force schools, right? So it's a big government and forcing actually the curriculum here to teach students to learn about the evils of communism. Take a listen. The bill also expands our previous efforts in civics to add a requirement for the high school government class that um, students receive instruction on the evils of communism and totalitarian ideologies. Uh, we have uh, a number of people in, in Florida, particularly southern Florida, who've escaped uh, totalitarian regimes, who've escaped communist dictatorships um, to be able to come to America. Uh, we want all students to understand the difference. Why would somebody flee uh, across shark-infested waters, say, leaving from Cuba to come to southern Florida? Uh, why would somebody leave a place like Vietnam? Why would people leave these countries uh, and risk their life to be able to come here? It's important that students understand that. Now, as part of this bill, Florida will create a portraits and patriotism library so students can learn about real patriots who came to this country after seeing the horrors of these communist regimes. Yes, love it. This might be my single favorite bill that we have seen out of any state <laughs> in a very, very long time. The libertarians maybe are going to freak out about this. The left is certainly going to freak out. They're going to say, this is the government coming in, you hypocritical Republicans. It's the government coming in, telling the schools what to teach. It's a huge expansion of government power. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's just a switch of the standards. The government power is not increasing. The government already tells the schools what to teach. The schools are part of the government, right? They're public schools. But right now, the schools are mandated to teach about the evils of America and the evils of the West. And what Ron DeSantis is saying is the schools actually also now have to teach about the evils of totalitarianism and the evils of communist dictatorships. I love that. It's not an expansion of big government at all. It's recognizing that the battle is actually not really between big and small government. It's about competing standards and competing exercises of power. What I believe to be the just, reasonable power that is being asserted here by Ron DeSantis versus the unjust, unreasonable power being asserted by the proponents of things like critical race theory and, and radical leftism more broadly. The teachers are not happy. Teachers all over the country are not happy right now. Forget about Ron DeSantis for a second. They're not happy that the right is calling out critical race theory. There was one teacher, just went viral on TikTok, who expressed her anti-racist fury that, that conservatives and parents are finally asserting their rights over their kids' education. This is what's bullshit. Today is the first time our country has recognized Juneteenth as a national holiday, and yet I'm getting ready to go back to school in the fall, and my governor has put into place some ridiculous legislation that many governors across the country have put into place, such as I can't teach anything divisive, 
I can't teach critical race theory, and I can't teach about racial equity. This is at all public schools, colleges, and universities. So, teachers, in the past, we've been activists. After this show of last year, we really need to stand up and do what's right for our kids right now. So, this is a call to action, teachers. We gotta stand up and fight for our kids because this is bullshit. We can't lie to them. Here's my call to action. Fire that teacher. That teacher should lose her job. But Michael, academic freedom. (laughs) Academic freedom does not mean what you think it means. (laughs) I'm a proponent of academic freedom in the sense that I believe scholars ought to be able to study what they want to study. But I'm an opponent of academic freedom if if what that means is teachers are allowed to teach whatever they want. They're not. That's not their job. Teachers are required, the, the, the job description of a teacher is to teach the curriculum. It's to teach what the school has decided ought to be taught to the students. And who, who decides then what ought to be taught? Well, it's the parents have some say, I think. The trustees have some say. It's a, if it's a public school, the people have some say. The teachers have some say in the way it's taught, and school administrators do as well. But it's not just the case that these radical leftists have the right to indoctrinate our our students in insane theories and insane ideologies, such as critical race theory, such as everything else that she's describing. That woman has no right to do that. That woman has no right to her job. And if she is now calling for activism and equity, oh, these are all just code words for radical leftism. I guess the activism she's talking about is actually just a synonym for it then she doesn't have a right to be in the classroom. Conservatives need to be willing to use our political power, also known as the government, to go in and exercise our political right. Okay, we need to be able to go in and kick teachers like that out of the classroom. I would strongly recommend a radical leftist teacher who is calling for activism and who's calling for the pushing of leftist ideology in contravention of the law to be fired. That's a good idea. And believe it or not, that that woman is not the loopiest woman going around TikTok right now. That award goes to another gal who went went viral for bragging about how wonderfully anti-racist she is for not caring for her crying daughter. So this morning, the baby woke up and had some sort of violence in her heart. I don't know what it was, but she has been losing her mind all day and it's interesting because I'm watching her lose her mind and then I'm watching the preteen respond to that by trying to make her happy and I have had to like actively tell him stop trying to make her feel better stop responding to her tears it's so interesting to see the conditioning of people responding to white girl tears happening so early. She's five and she's got an 11 year old coming after her trying to make her feel better when she cries. We have to unlearn this whole business that white women crying is going to get them what they want in life because that ain't it. <laughs> oh man, we need to we need to unlearn whatever we unlearned. I think. I think the preteen kind of gets it. And I think this lady has been brainwashed 
by a culture that is, well, that is in this particular instance, explicitly anti-white. What would she say if, well, I guess she wouldn't be in this situation, but if a five-year-old black girl were crying and then an 11-year-old black sibling came up and took care of the child. I, by, by the way that she's speaking here, you would imagine she would say, okay, that's fine. We should respond to black woman tears, but not white woman tears. Well, it's not a woman. It's a little kid. It's a five-year-old kid who's crying and you're supposed to comfort kids who cry. I'm, I'm not saying that there is uh, no role for, you know, saying, all right, toughen up, kid. Okay, we're not going to indulge this all the time. But, but what this woman is saying is specifically because my daughter is white, because I'm white, uh, I'm going to neglect her and let her cry and cry and cry because she is part of white supremacy. The reason that my young daughter is crying is not because she's a little girl. It's because she's white and feels entitled to comfort. Sick stuff, folks. And that idea, by by the way, is being taught in the schools. That idea right now is all part and parcel of this racial ideology that the the radical left believes it has a right to teach our students. It's not true. Before we go, we've only got just a very little bit of time before we get to the mailbag. I have to bring up the free Britney campaign. Seriously, I do do this. It's actually an important political issue. Britney Spears has has been under, the the singer has been under a conservatorship for quite some time now where her father is basically controlling her life. And uh, she has just spoken to a judge. She said, I'm not happy. I can't sleep. I'm depressed. I cry every day. Uh, I was told right now in the conservatorship, I'm not able to get married or have a baby. So she has a birth control device called an IUD inside of her, prevents her from getting pregnant. And uh, she wants it to be removed and her father will not let it be removed. This is truly evil stuff. This is the kind of sick stuff that you you hear about in the eugenics movement that you hear about from a century ago. The, I mean, this is the stuff you hear about out of communist China. If, practically speaking, forced sterilization. Very, very evil. People, this should, if it's not a crime already, this should be a crime. And the people who are forcing this sort of contraception on her should, should face criminal penalties for it in a just world. Uh, I ordinarily, I don't really know very much about Britney Spears and I'm not saying that conservatorships are always illegitimate, but in this case, this has obviously gone too far. Evil, evil stuff. And we actually should, as conservatives, we should call attention to it. Forced sterilization, whether it's permanent or or just effectively permanent. She can't take it out. That is some really, really evil stuff. You can read about all these complex issues, how we've been so just duped in the last several decades in my book. I'm just going to do it one more time. There it is. Okay. You heard it. Speechless. I I want, you know, I've plugged it so much. I'm going to retire the bell, but I want to thank everyone who has uh, ordered the book. Uh, you can get the signed first edition of Premier Collectibles. I believe it's sold out, but they, they may be getting some more in. So that's where the signed first edition is. You can get just a regular old edition at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all over the place. I really, really want to stick it in the eye of the New York Times <laughs> and the Squishes for that matter too. Uh, but so I appreciate everyone who has uh, pre-ordered the book and ordered the book and who is sending me in their photos, reading the book. And, and uh, that's really great. Who are leaving five-star reviews on Amazon. Thank you very much. Uh, get your copy if you haven't done it already. Also, despite this uh, film's popularity of Created Equal, this is a movie by Clarence Thomas, Amazon inexplicably removed it from its streaming platform during none other than Black History Month. 
Lucky for you, the Daily Wire has decided to step in. We are streaming it ourselves. So get your popcorn ready because you can now stream Created Equal, the Clarence Thomas movie, any time. It's available to Daily Wire members over at dailywire.com. If you're not a Daily Wire member, join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe with code justice for 20% off your membership. Get ready for a film unlike any other. Once you're a member, be sure to check out all of our other great content, including our talk show Canvas featuring Candace Owens, including Run, Hide, Fight, and Ben Shapiro's new series, Debunked. You can get all of this and more on demand by going to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Check out with 20% off using code justice. Start streaming today. We'll be right back with the mailbag. First question up from Jessica. Hey, Michael, I heard your answer about the law of attraction and wanted to ask more about it. I was trying out manifesting recently and thought it to be benign on the surface. Think positively and believe that what you want in life is possible. I've noticed that some things I simply thought about occurring did happen, but I don't believe it was without God's hand. Would that just be providence? I have quit with the law of attraction since your initial response, but would love to hear your thoughts on how to recognize providence and how you can more clearly see it in your life. Sincerely, positive and prayerful vibes only. Okay. For those who didn't hear it the first time or who are unfamiliar with this, the law of attraction and the idea of manifestation is part of a new new age cult that is uh, that suggests that you can control the universe with your mind. And this was uh, popularized by this book that Oprah uh, plugged called The Secret. This is really bad stuff, folks. Do not do it. Do not get involved in it. You are dealing with forces that are that are you, you should not be messing with. Uh, this is just uh, sorcery, basically. This is the sort of thing that in the Bible, in the olden times, would have been called sorcery or witchcraft, and now we just call it new age kookiness. But there's a, a big difference between manifestation and the law of attraction and providence. Manifestation and the law of attraction is your insistence that you can make demands of God and that God must submit to your demands by, by uh, enabling things in the created world to succumb to your will. Uh, this is making yourself into God, and things do not turn out well when you try to do that. This is the, the lie told by the serpent in the Garden of Eden, which I write about in my book. Do not do, not, uh, do that sort of thing. Providence is recognizing that there is an order to the universe, that God, who is outside of time and space, uh, sees all things absent time. And all things happen in God's due time. The, the way that uh, my, my good friend, Father George Rutler, described it is in his book, Coincidentally, which is a good book on the topic of providence, he, he says, it's an evil generation that, that looks for signs and wonders, but it's a stupid generation that ignores signs and wonders. So you can see the way things work together in life. You can see the hand of providence. Our founding fathers wrote about this at, at great length. The pilgrims on the Mayflower wrote about this. Many, many people in history have written about providence. But providence is not demanding that God submit to your will. Quite the opposite, actually. It's recognizing that God's will is is what orders the universe. And with God, will and reason are united because God is the divine logic of the universe. Total, totally the opposite thing from this new age cult and the secret and the laws of attraction and the manifestation and all that stuff. Do not, do not mess with that. From Verinder, hey Michael, 
You said you have an issue in referencing transgender people's new names to match their new gender, such as Bruce becoming Caitlin. Would you have the same issue when someone changes their name for religious reasons, like Muhammad Ali changing his name from Cassius Clay? Good question. Uh, I do not have the same issue. Not saying there's no issue. I guess the the problem with uh, Cassius Clay changing his name is that he was converting to a religion that I you know, I do not subscribe to, I would not, therefore I, I could, would not recommend someone do that. But it's a very, very different thing. A man changing his name to another man's name for religious reasons is not the same thing as a man changing his name to a woman's name because he's pretending to be a woman. There is no violation of reality by, by someone uh, switching up their religion coming into what they believe to be the, a fullness of truth. Now, you know, not all religions are true, so that, that creates problems for the individual. But uh, there, there's no issue with that sort of a name change. For goodness sakes, the first pope changed his name. Actually, our Lord changed the first pope's name when he said, Simon, you are now Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. So that's, I'm totally cool with that. But Caitlin is a woman's name. It's, I know we, it's, it's a sort of social construction, I suppose, but it is a woman's name. And to call a man Caitlin is to suggest that a man sort of can become a woman. I I just don't think that's possible. And I don't think as a society, we should embrace that sort of thing. Good question. But I think we're talking about very, very different things. One of those switches is not making claims on reality. From Chase. Uh, Michael, or or, or one one of those changes is not making claims on reality that are manifestly not true. From Chase, Michael, at the beginning of this week, you showed a clip where a girl was explaining all the rules she goes by to express her own gender ideology. The clip reminded me of the lie the serpent told in the garden about how we would be like God. I have interpreted this lie to mean that we can dictate reality and make spoken word truth. Wow, talk about providence. What are the odds that that this question would come up after what we were just talking about? Uh, I'm writing because I want to know if this is a good argument to make toward my Christian friends who are not as engaged in this conversation of gender ideology as they perhaps should be. Do you believe that this is a good position to argue as as to why gender ideologies such as this are sinful, or does it seem a bit too heavy-handed or a bit of a stretch? No, I think this is a perfect example. This is it. Transgenderism is the new manifestation of the Gnostic heresy. And you see, I mean, Gnosticism is the secret, right? They actually mean the same thing. Gnosticism just literally means secret knowledge. And it's what you're seeing with new age cults like, like the secret or with older cults like Albigensianism or Marcionism or Manichaeism. And transgenderism is just yet another expression of that. And uh, yes, it is an attempt to be as God. It is an attempt to, um, to empower oneself, uh, over over the world in a, in a nefarious way. So yes, I, I think you're totally on the money. Good stuff. From Noah, dear Michael, I love the show. I listen to it every day at my job. Oh, thank you very much. I'm a proud conservative Christian and I've been having quite a lot of trouble finding a fine girlfriend. Every time I find a nice girl, she's always got another man. However, I did find a beautiful girl from my church at home. Good news, there is not another man in the way, but the bad news is that I feel that she friend zoned me. She told me that she is currently not looking to be in a relationship, but my gesture flatters her. I know the Lord says he shuts doors no one can open, uh, but I would like to know, is this a shut door 
for a hurdle I am meant to jump and thus keep pursuing her. Thank you. I don't know. (laughs) That's the most insightful answer I can give you. Because there is not some hard and fast rule here. Every pickup artist, hustler in the world thinks that women are basically just all very simple creatures and you just follow three steps and then you can pick up any girl you want. That's not how women really are. (laughs) That's not how love really is and, and relationships to use the modern world really are. It may well be the case that this gal is just 100% not interested in you at all. In my single days, I pursued girls who just, they just weren't interested in me. And I thought I, you know, got somewhere for a little bit and then it, I didn't, you know, and, that, and that's that. And no amount of perseverance is going to do anything. It'll probably only humiliate you and pester her. Now, sometimes there are girls who say, you know, no, I'm not, not really interested. And you can kind of win them over. You can woo them. That's good. That's a nice thing. It's possible. And, uh, And then sometimes it really clicks right at once. I would not recommend totally giving up if you really are interested in this girl. But likewise, you have no right to her time and interest. And it it might just be the case that you ain't her type. She might be your type, but you ain't her type. And so one way that I would perhaps try to explore this is just by being cool. Just be cool, man. Just be cool. Be confident be upfront about your interest in her. Don't be creepy about it. Don't be weird about it, but just, you know, yeah, no, I'd like, I, you're great. You're cute. You know, let's go. It'd be great to get a drink, but Hey, you're not interested. It's no big deal. I would, I would explore other options. (laughs) You know, I would pursue other women and the, the girl might come around. So I, I wouldn't deny your interest in her. I wouldn't, um, I, I wouldn't allow the, the friend zone to, to have you imply that you're not interested in her at all. Uh, but also, uh, you know, a man who is really romantically interested in a woman uh, sh- should not really, I don't even think it's really possible to, to be a, just a regular old friend with her. I mean, that would put you in a really degraded situation where, you know, you're her gal pal or something. I wouldn't do that. You know, you've made it your, your interest clear. You perhaps can continue to make your interest clear, but if she ain't interested then you got to move on. From Maya, hey Michael, I'm graduating high school next year and lots of people say that college is a waste of time and money. I've also heard lots of people say it's great. What are your thoughts on it? If not college, then what? I wanted to become a social worker, but the more I think about it, I don't feel like dealing with all the people I would have. Oh, well then don't be a social worker. (laughs) It's a very very hard job if if you're already having doubts like this. Uh, Thanks for doing what you are doing and being a great resource for myself and many. Should you go to college? What do you want to do? Some conservatives will tell you, you should only go to college if you're going to major in some practical skill like engineering or STEM. I think that's BS and ridiculous. And I I strongly disagree with that point of view. I actually think the opposite. I think that you should go get a liberal education if you want a liberal education. If you want to go to college because you want to understand your own freedom and your own culture and become a well-read person and make sense of very difficult philosophical and literary and historical subjects, then great college is a great place to do it. But there are only a handful of colleges left that will give you that education. Think of places like Hillsdale, Ave Maria, Thomas Aquinas College, Franciscan of Steubenville, a few others will really offer you a proper liberal education. Now, some other colleges and universities will offer you other stuff. 
If you want to be an investment banker or a top, you know, McKinsey consultant, then you should go to Yale or Harvard or Princeton or something like that. I suppose in a way you might be able to get a liberal education at those schools, but it's going to be a little harder to suss out. You know, the advantage of those schools is people there tend to have very high IQs, but a lot of them get just involved in really leftist politics and don't, don't really care about their studies. So if you, if you want that sort of thing, you go there. If you want to learn a practical skill, say you want to become an electrician, then you should go to a trade school. If you want to become a lawyer, then you will have to go to a college, but you should aim that at your I suppose it's your plans afterward. We once understood that education has a purpose. We don't do that anymore though. Now college is just about what you do next. You just, you graduate high school and then you go to college and you party and do a lot of things that you shouldn't do. (laughs) And then maybe you'll figure out what you want to do afterward. We must recognize everything has a purpose, whether we recognize it or not. And we should, uh, we should pursue things toward good ends. I hope that helps. From Tyler. Hey, Mr. Knowles. I'm a conservative. In August, I'll be attending a very liberal college. I was wondering if you have any advice for me. Should I sit back and bite my tongue for a good grade, or should I challenge my professors when they push their liberal ideas onto the class? You do not need to be flamboyant in your views. You don't need to wear the MAGA hat every single day. But likewise, I would not hide your views. I would not, at least... I would say I would not lie about your views. I would have integrity. I would have courage. That might cost you grades. I know people always write in, they say, hey, how do I get perfect grades and get invited to every party and also be totally outspoken in my political views? You probably can't. Everything has a price. Everything has a cost. But integrity is a nice thing. Dignity is a nice thing. I wouldn't sell it out so that you can get an A instead of an A minus or so that you can get invited to some party. Hope everybody enjoys the, the appropriate parties this weekend. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you on Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Bory. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Clavin Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Clavin Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Clavin. <laughs> 